This the Black Powder Podcast. Kick up your feet, lean on your armrest, and get your mind blessed on this conquest. Hold a grip like a 12 gauge. Let this moment kick. Black people moving and having some gun ownership. I carry weight, not to keep the camera safe. It's thinking about you, my kids, and my parents' faces. The big topics they don't wanna involve us. Think we're novice, but now we're moving hard with revolvers. This the Black Powder Podcast. Let's get it and start it. Primer sip the powder is lit. It's time to get on target. Welcome to another episode of the Black Party Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Yasuke Fett. And just a general reminder of your marching orders and why we have created the Black Powder Podcast. The main mission is to change the social view of black society and firearms. How do we do that? Glad you ask. We talk, walk, read, write, and think about it to find a better solution for a brighter future for the proper protection of black people. Join us through education, practice, and safety as we take down the stigma of black people and guns one discussion at a time. And just a general reminder, you cannot do a mag dump without a couple of rounds. So if you like what you're hearing and you happen to like this show, send out an email to blackpowderpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what your favorite episode is. Whether or not you agree, disagree, or have questions, please make sure to send them to blackpowderpodcast at gmail.com. And always... Feel free to like, share, and subscribe. The only way to continue to grow is to continue to share this knowledge with other people. And the only way to even get the message out is to let everyone know. So once again, if you like what you heard and would like to continue to hear, please like, share, and subscribe. And as always, you can find us on multiple platforms, especially main ones. Uh, as of recently, we are now on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and Audible. This has been a topic that I've been wanting to cover for some time now, ever since, uh, well, all these events have happened. Originally, I was going to cover one event followed by another event, but then another event happened, then another event happened, which is pretty ridiculous. But all these events somehow coincide together, and they mainly deal with the fact that there is elements of the Second Amendment, or lack thereof, or just gun laws in general, in uh, all of these incidents. The main incidents I'm referring to are the Greenwood Mall uh, incident that happened where there was a young man who happened to take out a shooter 40 yards away. The Shinzo Abe assassination attempt, or actually the successful assassination of Shinzo Abe, which happened months ago. The Uvalde shooting, which also happened months ago, and the one that started it all, the Buffalo shooting at the Topps grocery store in New York. Uh, In the most recent shooting, the gunman who carried two AR-15s was taken down by a 22-year-old with a handgun. The way that this incident went down was not a common everyday feat, because uh, stated earlier, this 22-year-old took out this shooter from 40 yards away. The mall has been stated to have been a firearm-free zone, which basically means that if you are a card-carrying weapons permit holder or concealed carry permit holder, whatever that's worth nowadays, considering that a constitutional carry is now a thing, uh, you would not be allowed to bring your firearm inside the premises of the mall, concealed or not. But despite the law that we, the people, are supposed to follow, someone decided... 
based on their free will, to enter at a place that was supposed to be public, or rather is supposed to be made up of public safety, and they willingly, by their own accord, or their own decision, willingly endangered the lives of all the patrons inside the mall, as well as the lives of all the people who were not caring. Yes, it can easily be argued that the good guy with the gun technically broke the law, but what if he had not? There would be a lot more injuries. There would be a lot more people that could have potentially passed due to fatal injuries from gunshots. Let's just call it what it is. It's a suggestion. You have people who can go into these public places that are armed or concealed carrying or whatever, but at the end of the day, those people that are armed or concealed carrying have the potential to save the lives of everyone else there because people who tend to break the laws don't really care about what law is posted outside the window. He could have easily fled the scene like every other person in the mall. Instead, he chose to put ten toes down to the ground and fight successfully, I might add. This is, this good guy, rather, was able to put ten shots in the bad guy from 40 yards out. But on that note, let's go ahead and move over to Japan and talk about a little bit of the history that has led up to the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Years ago, there was the Haito Edict, which was issued by the Meiji government of Japan around March 28, 1876. This basically prohibited people, with the exception of the former lords, or the daimyos, military officials, law enforcement, from carrying their weapons. So if you did not fall into one of those categories, you were not allowed to carry your sword, if you will. This is the embodiment of the sword hunt, and violators would have their swords confiscated. There could have been possibly even worse than that, but nonetheless, you basically were not supposed to have your weapon. The sword, however, is essentially the symbol of the Japanese warrior class, and is said to embody the very soul or the existence of the samurai themselves. To have a law and take it away from the civilian class of Japan, and eventually the warrior class, left civilians in the hands and care of the Western-focused government. So we take that whole edict right there, where they were confiscating weapons in order to make sure that there would be no more lawlessness, if you will, and no random raids or people that sought to harm other people because they might have felt dishonored or whatever the reason would be. Take that mentality, fast forward to today, and see where that law has gotten Japan. There's truly one thing that this assassination has shown us, and that's no matter what the law is, there's always a determined person who has motives that are fueled with hate that will find a way to create a weapon of destruction, no matter what. And these laws were supposed to quote-unquote guarantee that no one would be able to create or have a firearm in this country. And that's what this person did. The weapons laws of Japan begin by stating, no one shall possess a firearm or firearms or a sword or swords. But of course, in our modern times, Japanese police are one of the few groups or of a small section of people that can carry guns. That gun is in the form of the new Nambu. It's a double-action revolver in 38 Special. 
also called the S&W M37 since it resembles the S&W M36. The gun only has five rounds. The groups of people that can own firearms in Japan as of now are target shooters, hunters, competitional shooters, national and international, firearm dealers, manufacturers, firearm exporters, and antique gun collectors. These are the class of civilians that are legally allowed to own firearms in Japan. For a citizen of any country to go from one store to another store gathering items to create a weapon to kill a figurehead of political society, it shows once again the major bullet point that stands out above everything else. Hate knows no bounds when a person is determined to kill. How accurate is this statement, though? This statement is deadly accurate. It is very accurate. Let's talk about Peyton S. Gendron. And this topic always, always frustrates me because of the fact that it was extremely racially motivated. Never had to happen, but lo and behold, here we are. We're just going to go into it. We're just going to keep going. Gendron took it upon himself to plan the execution of a racially motivated attack on the Topps grocery store in Buffalo, New York on May 14th, 2022. His whole purpose was to prevent the quote-unquote elimination of the white race. And this is based on his ideologies of the far-right great replacement conspiracy theory. All ten of them black. None of them had to die that day, but because of the actions of this idiot, ten black people were killed and slain in cold blood that day. Ironically enough, he managed to shoot one white person, which, based on his theory, the elimination of white people, doesn't that kind of go against it, considering how he targeted a white person? Now, granted, the white person didn't die, but nonetheless, he still targeted the subject matter of his beliefs. It goes back to one of the main rules of firearm safety. Never aim at anything you do not intend to destroy. And this idiot completely disregarded all these rules that are set up for responsible firearm owners who have the common sense to know better than to do something racially motivated or just ignorant in general like this asshole. But that has nothing to do with the fact that this man had hate in his heart. An emotion that came from studies and readings of things that the young mind doesn't really grasp, but yet he thinks that it's the right thing to do because there's pages and pages of literature that gave him the logical, quote-unquote, reasoning to go about in, in human life. He even planted this for at least two to three years and created a manifesto off of this. Again, it goes to show, no matter what, as long as a person has the weapon of hate, they will find a way to do harm to other people. Gendron also knew because of the gun laws of New York, he could get away with carrying a Bushmaster into a town and using it to injure and kill multiple people because he knew there would be very little serious opposition to threaten or to stop him. Just like Japan.
because whenever Shinzo Abe was assassinated by that makeshift, it was literally a makeshift shotgun, nobody knew what to do because they had never come in contact with a firearm in such a long time. But what about the people that we pay to protect us, the people that we pay to come with the firearms to take care of the quote-unquote bad guy? Let's just be honest. There's been a lot of condemnation and threats as far as defunding police, basically, the quote-unquote civilian protectors that are supposed to protect society. But in all honesty, that might not be for long based on the way things are going. But you do have those few groups within that class of civilian, if you were, that protector class, quote-unquote, if you will, that have no idea what the hell they're doing. So now we move on to Uvalde, which was a sick demonstration of those having power, refusing to use it, and adamantly preventing themselves from going into a situation that they're supposed to be paid for and stopping it from getting worse. There were literally enough police in that video to storm a hallway and at least take over and breach every single room down that hallway. Hell, they were being so safe about the whole entire incident to the point where one of the police officers had time to use hand sanitizer to make sure that he wasn't spreading COVID amongst the building. Normally, whenever a police shooting occurs, you have multiple people talking about how the police officers could have been safer, safer or they should have aimed for this or they should have aimed for that. Ironically, here is one of the few times where people were asking, why didn't they shoot? In my opinion, this was a gross misuse of power and a vulgar display of cowardice. And these are the people that we pay utilizing good civilian tax money in order to make sure that we, the people, the civilians, can be protected from any threat. As ridiculous as laughable. At the end of the day, if you look at everything based on these last couple of incidents, it'll help you realize that we all we got. It is up to us to keep us safe. We are our own first responders. Just like that incident that happened at the Greenwood Mall. We can thank the gunman in Uvalde for setting this pace and giving us this mindset due to the fact that during this incident, the gunman went into the restroom a little bit before the closing time of the mall and came back out shooting. I believe his name is pronounced Elijah Dickin. He put shots, he put the shooter down with 10 rounds at 40 yards each. When you do, do the American math, if you will, that's 120 feet away. And once again, I stated earlier, even though he was quote unquote illegally carrying, the fact that it was a state law that allowed him to carry and the fact that he did stop the gunman from continuing with his rampage, if you will, it saved a lot of lives. So how can anybody argue that this gentleman here doing something that the average person could not do thanks to the fact that he trained and he practiced and he prepared, how can you call this person an anti-hero or a villain? If anything, this person is the hero, like all of us should be. Because at the end of the day, the average person will not be able to do this. But no one will be the quickest defense of yourself or other people, which is why, based on all these stories that I've told you, all these events, the last one should scream to you and let you know that you are going to be responsible for taking care of yourself, 
your family, your loved ones before anyone else can. And if this wasn't, if this wasn't enough to convince you of that, the current date as it stands is October the 29th, 2022. We're barely a day after Nancy Pelosi's husband being attacked in their own house by a man with a hammer. And there was some blunt force trauma. Supposedly he is okay. He's gone to the hospital and the surgery was successful as far as being able to uh, make sure that he continued to live. But nonetheless, for all these politicians and the fact that they're supposed to go around with security and have guards who, ironically enough, utilize the Second Amendment to protect their, their uh, clientele, if you will, how do you go from screaming out defund the police and get rid of the Second Amendment and then you go into your house and you think that you're going to be safe because you are basically a quote-unquote untouchable? Being a politician doesn't make you safe. Being a celebrity doesn't make you safe. Being, I even remember years ago when the boxer, I think his name was uh, Vernard, Vernon Forrester, God has been so long, but, but nonetheless, I mean, he was somewhat in the untouchable class because he was in a quote-unquote sector of higher society. Even he died. So if anything, especially with all these, these rappers nowadays, uh, what was it, P&B Rock, I think, was the, the most recent one who was uh, shot down in California. You've got a lot of other rappers being shot down because of, I hate to say it, but the nature of what they do. And I'm not justifying it at all. I'm just saying that violence and hip-hop or violence and rap, if you will, go hand-in-hand pretty much like peanut butter and jelly, unfortunately. But these are all things that don't really have to happen. But also, it just goes to show that no matter what class of civilian you are, you need not only to train and protect yourself and prepare yourself, but you need to be aware of the situations that you're putting yourself in so you as a person can make sure that you can continue to live to see the light of the next day. Other than that, there's a lot of hate in the world right now. And if you're not prepared to deal with it and combat it, you'll end up just like the rest of these people. Well, fortunately for the for the civilians that passed over in the uh, the tops, I just call it a massacre. If they would have had the ability to protect themselves like other sections of the United States, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe things would have been different. But you also have to compare it to Japan and realize that they've had different laws that banned and prevented weapons from quote-unquote being utilized in certain areas and certain classes to the point where here we are now in 2020, no one knew how to react to it. And then you had the good guy with the gun scenario, which no matter what, always wins out. And you're never going to hear about it because the news has the mindset or the agenda to make sure that you never find out. The best solution to never find out about it is to make sure that you yourself never end up on the news. If you like what you heard, as always, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. The only way to do a successful mag dump is to make sure that you have ammunition. And the only way we can 
combat the image that is portrayed of black people in media versus the actual image of black people is to let other black people know. In order to do that, please like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member, look us up on Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, and many more platforms. This the Black Powder Podcast, let's get it split. We got the wisdom hitting targets with a mark with precision. We're having fun in the booth, we're running gun for the truth. Every future black gun owner, we're spreading the news. We do illegal, we're moving regal and blessing the people. Some hopes for the culture, we keep it locked like guns in our holster. Holding it down as we're loading the rounds. If they were nervous back then, then they're gonna be scared of us now. Black Powder Podcast, we'll be back in a while. Yeah.